<laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Carnival of Randomness. And actually, I noticed we have our co-host here. We have Greg. Hi. And we have the mask. Grappler's best friend, John. Hey. And I happen to notice you have the same sneakers as I do, John. I do. Look but, at that. You know, I talk about coffee a lot. And I think, like, my personal blends are whatever I have. <laughs> yeah. But I would say this personal blend maybe should make me crazy. I am very thrilled to have my good friend Justin Lloyd from Personal Blend on the show. Rob, I got to say that was that was a terribly punny intro right there. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I thought about this one. Usually I let him go. I let him go. He is king pun. <laughs> yes, but... Okay, we're done. Well, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> That's a wrap. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> so one thing I want to ask here, again, we're very blessed in terms of we always have like these music guys, but... How did you get hooked into ska, reggae, all this stuff? Because we don't have that as much on here. Oh, man. I started ska and reggae interest stuff uh, before I went to college. Uh, there was a ska band from my high school that ended up getting signed called the Miggities. And they've done some reunion stuff. They're back around. But I was this little kid that saw them play and was like, what is this? Holy shit. So I ended up getting into it, went to college, went full deep end style. and been into it ever since then. See, one of my things, my as I say, my gateway music was I stepped to go to a good old night flight there. Remember the day, guys, when you couldn't find music and you had to go look for it? Nice and night, night flight. They had The Harder They Come. Oh, nice. And I got the soundtrack, and you could go whoever you wanted on there. What a great marvelous. record. I consider that one of my top. And then one of my friends got me uh, Peter Tosh's Mama Africa. But then I asked my parents for Santa Claus at the time <laughs> to bring me uh, Bob Marley's uh, box set. Oh, nice. And I just fell for it. And I think it's that kind of music. You get into it, you get into it. Did they take you to a counselor after that request? <laughs> <laughs> they wondered about that thing, that, that Boston fern I was yeah. growing in my room. Yeah, right. They the wondered a lot fern. about that. So the elves got it right and didn't bring you Julio Glacius and brought you Bob Marley, right? Yeah. They might have been confused. They weren't too hip. No, and I had those black light posters I got from Spencer's. Yeah. So my parents were oh, wondering. Yeah. I remember my mom, I think the statute of limitations is over. It's like, I didn't know you were growing marijuana in your room. <laughs> you didn't ask, Mom. You, no, you decorated, I even decorated like a, you said it was a Boston fern. You were growing that. <laughs> this was many, many decades That's ago. a very aromatic fern. <laughs> it's got a great bouquet. But I heard now, this is, I think John could play this more than Greg, and I definitely want to ask you, Justin. One of the things I've been hearing a lot from people on the show is how hard this stuff is to play now it might be easy for you because you've been doing it so long but actually my good friend uh kev from moondog barrels they do a reggae version of what's so funny about peace love and understanding and he says like the guitar part it's the hardest song now to go with that i just saw barry ashkel who's a really really incredible jazz drummer at the bop shop i got into some talks with people there and Barry's whole thing about playing was you got to go for the feeling. You got to go for the feeling. Right. That's a sign. I think that's for anything. But mm -hmm. I started talking to some people who drum then. I go, what I've heard is like doing the ska beat for a lot of drummers is really tough. And I think maybe because in a way it's simple and you think you have to do more. But talk on that. I have no idea. Well, it's quick and it's tight. I mean, you have to, I mean, from what I understand, I'm not a huge ska guy. So I think John does a little more. So he's yeah. Well, I mean, I did a lot of ska with. Well, not a lot of ska. I did some ska with Buddha Hood, and I understand the 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 the, the when you know the, the simple four on the floor, 
you know, all t- with the uh, high hat on the ends. I'm, I'm, I'm showing. I'm doing with my. my this is not a, a video forum, but <laughs> yeah. we will uh, stop now. and I'll get some coffee cans, yeah. and we'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> I think you hit on it right. We'll be there, back John. in a second. We'll be right back. <laughs> I think you hit on a lot of it there. It's it's the simplicity is what mm-hmm. makes it hard, and I think a lot of the jazz guys you were talking to would tell you the same thing. It's it's space. Right. It's finding the space and playing the space, and the more simple the music is, the harder it is to play that space. And with reggae, it, based on a cursory listening, it sounds slow, repetitive, and too simple. But when you listen to it more or you get into it and you're trying to produce it by playing it, it's about finding that simplicity but yet making it interesting finding a, a short motive that you repeat that is entrancing it gets people it's very hypnotic yeah, yeah. and you can easily ruin that into yep. a very gentrified vanilla version of reggae when you don't understand why something is supposed to be short and simple and repetitive mm-hmm. and and you you don't it was incredibly hard for me to get down because i come from this busy plane of uh, metal and prog rock uh, background for my formative years and so when I was in the Buddhahood and I had to play reggae on ska but specifically reggae uh, it was so hard for me because it's all about it's not about physical prowess on the instrument it's about tech it's about feel it's about textures it's about push and pull these these well said yeah is these things that these intangibles that that uh, and then of course we talked to gray about the the one drop for rock and funk drummers to ignore the one right. on the kick drum and <laughs> then just drop that bomb on the three and add the textures and not let it slow down and the push and pull and the lilts with the hi hats and the you know it's just and you don't get caught up in I'm not playing a lot of notes you 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 get in the trance of what you're laying down with the other musicians around you, and you you become bigger than what you can produce on your own, and it becomes this organic thing that just is so powerful. And you let yourself in that river, so to speak. I picture yeah. Bruce Lee from Andrew. Don't think, feel. Yeah. There you go. Well, and the guitar do think. do the end up the strokes and yeah. stuff. So it it they support you, and you have room to ignore that one because the guitar is there. And then the bass is usually doing some kind of repetitive. You said hypnotic, thing. though. I will never forget my one trip to Jamaica. I was in Montego Bay, and at night you could hear reggae playing from the woods. Oh, cool! And it was like a real deal. great scene. <laughs> but that's it was so hypnotic. The only other thing was I don't know how they work with those Scotch bonded peppers at the jerk places. <laughs> oh my goodness! There was like I was getting my eyes were dripping. But the other the, only, the other sites I remember that, and I remember them a shark coming by a boat and them trying to hit it with the oars. <laughs> like, which, they literally go out and the thing was that the fishermen came back in because they forgot their ganja and they had to get it. They come out, there's a shark. You yeah, got have priorities. Right, you could right. you could see it. But the thing was at night hearing that coming through the woods that you described it perfectly hypnotic. How much do you think the the, the the pot thing really figures into the music? I think I it's mean, the, the culture, the Rastafari well, stuff. Well, I think there's a relaxation process yeah. that probably happens when you're creating it and playing yeah. it that out, that helps. Well, did you ever hear with. Keith Richards quote on it when he was in Jamaica? He said that, I couldn't believe these guys. They smoked a joint as soon as they got up. 
Yeah. I waited at least 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like after my second cup of coffee. Got to stretch it out first. Now, you, I know, I'm going to get yelled at again because I've gotten some musicians on who's like, you play the horn. Like, I play trombone. I play trumpet. <laughs> I've gotten that a couple. Thank you, uh, Mark Bradley. Okay, yeah, right. thank you. But now, you, you are a... Something player, I'm not going to say the thing with your mouth. I am a trumpet player, yeah. I play trumpet. Good how did you get it? Did it call to you and say, Justin, you must play me, or did you just, how did you come to it? it I was put through the, the public high school process of like learning an instrument where in fourth, for us it was in fourth grade, you go down in a small group to the band teacher's room and they have all the instruments out. And you have like a half hour to like try all these different instruments. And then after that one little session, you're expected to like go fill out a form with your first, second, and third choices. Right. Which is pretty little exposure for picking the instrument that you're intended to play through school. But anyway, so that it ended up going well for me. And I can see how many people don't flourish in that quick little. Uh, but I picked an instrument that I thought was cool and I ended up sticking with it and I ended up being cool. I could see like I could see like this line up, like the teacher going, Well, yeah, you, you're fine. To me, you do get the kazoo, <laughs> and then you two just shaking the head drums. Oh. But I mean, any any brass player, I'll tell yeah. you, like making the embouchure with your lips and making an, uh, any sort of decent noise through a brass <laughs> instrument takes more than five quick minutes. Right. And then to expect a fourth grader to make yeah. a decision on any brass instrument, any reed instrument, within just like the very brief introduction, like okay, blow a raspberry. Now put this horn on your face and make a noise. Do you want to play that for the rest of your life? Like <laughs> I'll whoa, tell you. whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, when I was in college at Nazareth, I had to take methods classes for the education degree, and I. I had, you know, they, you know, three weeks on this, three weeks on that. Okay, I did trumpet for a little bit. That's freaking hard, man. And I mean, trombone was probably the easiest thing for me because it was more relative. But you know, yeah, it's not, it's not easy, man. Yeah. It, I mean, as a little <laughs> kid, I can't even imagine. Anybody ever see Walter Werbos? He played in, he's played in like hundreds of bands. He played for Sonic Youth a little bit. He was at one of the Bob Shop Atrium shows. He played a 50-minute solo where the spittle was coming out of his trumpet and everything. <laughs> it just didn't stop. <laughs> That's you know, awesome. I, I had Chops a question right about there. that with, with the COVID thing. I mean, is there any... Were there any, oh. Are there issues with spit valves and yeah. things like that? It's like... <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you asked that. I was mm -hmm. uh, talking with John about this before the show where it was like... There was all these worries about the aerosol, the aerosolization yeah. of the spit coming out of the trumpet right. and the, the bell. Now, after a bunch of studies at the beginning of COVID, like there isn't that much air push out the bell of a trumpet. But um, so I play in the U of R Symphony as well, and like other than oh, Scott nice. Reagan in bands and stuff. But they were not live for their first semester, but second semester last year we did come back live. So we had to all be socially distanced on the stage, but we were able to put like a little trumpet muffle thing on the end. Mm -hmm. I call it a trumpet condom. Mm -hmm. And then we also had to wear a special mask that had a vertical slit like tidy whities wow. And those two things combined was enough for the university and for many other bodies of music to say, okay, this is okay. Huh, that's um, cool. I we did have that. to police up all the, because the spit valve was a, was a concern for people. And a lot of brass players will get really defensive and be like, it's not spit, it's condensation. And while that may be true, 75% of that liquid that comes out might be breath condensation, um, that's still kind of, I mean, it's coming out of your yeah. Blow a raspberry against your hand right. for like a minute and tell me what's on your hand. Right. It's spit and kind of, it's a lot yeah. of stuff. So what's coming out of a spit valve is not clean and sanitary and stuff. So we did have to have precautions about, you can't just make a puddle on the floor. Right. Yeah. Pu puppy yeah. pads are fantastic for that. Oh. <laughs> was, anybody, was anybody a wise ass to put a mask on their instrument? Like the We have to. They're, they make it specially, but they actually said you weren't allowed to improvise a bell mask. You had to buy 
one that was for that purpose. And we were kind of like, why? And it was just it was just liability because if you yeah. improvised one and then someone yeah. somehow yeah, yeah they'd be like, yeah. well, it's because you tied a sock around yeah. your. Yeah. <laughs> you used a. The Pittsburgh Steelers hat. <laughs> that baseball hat does not keep the aerosolization to a minimum. I also would like. Vents. I would like to figure out how I could work for a vertical slit mask factory. Yeah. I'm the vertical slit specialist at this mask factory. Meanwhile, in an abandoned vertical slit mask factory. <laughs> Did you see some of the stuff? This I slit saw? is horizontal. Damn it! One Throw of my friends out. saw somebody wearing a hazmat suit at Wagman's. I saw the people with the underwear on their faces. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's or they would worse. put, like, the nose would be out, or they would take the mask off to cough on the stuff. Well, you don't want to keep your cough inside. That's not helpful. Right. I can't imagine being a drummer, <laughs> like wearing a mask as a drummer, except obviously the mask grappler. But mm. I, I could imagine someone saying, how did Bunny Carlos smoke while he's playing drums? I can't <laughs> breathe. Just like a little cigarette hole in the mask at that point. It's, it's sort fun. of like circular breathing. That's, I guess. Not, <laughs> there you go. Not only that, how does he smoke and like keep a three-inch ash? Yeah. Hanging off the end of the cigarette, and he's sitting there shaking around, and he asked, "That's amazing." <laughs> I think he stopped that practice of holding the smoke in his mouth. As a matter of fact, that's like that's good though too. But now, now you're doing classical too, though. So if you're with the symphony, yeah, yeah. So how would you compare that in terms of like, <laughs> uh, in terms of just, just playing, just the different, music, yeah, music. the musics. Uh, it takes it's a different kind of concentration. You know, you lose you can lose yourself in reggae as long as it's like in an intellectual sense. As long as you're servicing the music and the groove and the the the, the unity fabric and stuff, you can let yourself become entranced. You can let yourself kind of go in that regard. And that might answer that question about the pot earlier. Mm -hmm. Some people, and not always, it's not essential, but it can help you achieve that flow state sometimes. Mm -hmm. But classical is more you need to be a little bit more with it in like a almost like a school like an like a like a scholastic vibe mm -hmm. you have to be counting you have to be aware of where you are and while you are still every little note you play is still in service of the overall sound it's a, because you're putting so many more parts together it's like you're reading a puzzle as opposed to trying to feel out a puzzle you do have right. to have that but yeah you're it's a little more academic challenge so it's a different headspace, but I guess in the end, you're still trying to service that same organic sounding end product. So you can do it, you know, if you're too academic, too strict, it then sounds that way. And even classical music isn't supposed to sound that way when produced. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It totally yeah. Does. It's also, too, you're not trying to, like, jam and go off where you go. You're supposed to specifically play. Well, they weren't studying right. it when they wrote it. They yeah. just wrote it. <laughs> yeah, they just wrote it. It's, yeah. you know, finding, finding, making music that sounds free and fluid within the guise of a conductor staying there and, and trying to keep a very right. concrete beat is an art in and of itself, and that's what the best orchestras do, is they sound continuous and they sound like solid and holistic, yet at the same time, it sounds organic, it breathes when necessary, it doesn't sound like a machine, yet you have to approach it that way when you've got 110 musicians on a stage. Right. You can't approach it. Everyone be organic and feel it out. That's not going to end well. <laughs> well, you have to pay attention. All the dynamic markings are really important, and you have to adhere to those, and then the conductor's job, obviously, is to, you know, feel that out too because they'll bring the, the, the mm -hmm. orchestra down and bring it up and all that have you two ever dabbled in classical me either you two i have well the mass drummer has obviously I, well, he's my formative years was <laughs> brass bands uh my you know my father was a salvation army clergy officer and as the my very f first plane was in the brass bands on the street corners 
playing a, what they called the side drum, which was a snare drum, or right. the bass drum, which is upright and you're hitting it. Right. But I'm, yeah. at five years old, I'm out there playing <laughs> with the, the, and reading music and, uh, and you know, counting. You know, a lot of times you're, you're, you're the bass drum part is counting for 17 measures, waiting, you know. But, so it's not classical. It's similar. It's, it's uh, it, as far as the uh, there's there's no jamming. Yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there was there was st- uh, uh, reading reading music and being strict to the uh, the the, the, uh, the uh, time you know the, uh, the, the the I can't think the um, uh, the things that make you go loud and soft and dynamics. Music. Dynamics. Thank you. <laughs> the uh, amplifiers. Yeah. <laughs> the loud and soft. Turn you eleven. The loud and soft parts, the fast and slow parts, um, and when it ends, you all have to end at the same time. Everyone ends together. No, no rock ending where everyone just kind of cadences and goes. Yeah. And goes Watch yeah. me. This one is loud as healthy also. Yeah. But you know the difference is uh, when you're jamming and playing the our 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 um, contemporary music. You, it's all about having your ears on. You can be lost, but your your ears are like you 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 assign certain musical cues. You hear the guitarist do that, or the bassist go up to that harmonic. You know your ears are always on, and uh, and it goes to that. And it's like the people in the audience say, "How did they know how to do that?" When they they, they broke into that other, you know. Whereas the like his symphonic music. The stuff he did in college, as Greg did in college. Greg's oratorio and G. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did concert bands and things like that in, in high school. High school yeah. and marching bands. Christmas music, all that stuff. But I never on the level that, uh, you know, the oh. U, the, what, what do you play? The U of R. Oh, I just played the U of R symphony. Yeah, That's never awesome. on that level. Never in a symphony. Me either. Yet the mass grapplers fighting like in Taiwan. (laughs) He manages uh this mass drummer guy. Never shows up when he's here somehow. One one time. You weren't here though. No, yeah, it was. uh... So we're going to go. How did you start getting? I'll use the term professionally. How did you start playing around town, first bands, everything? Did I find. Did I see your first band actually or not? Uh, Well, yeah, my first band, Mrs. Scanato. I joined Mrs. Scanato at college. It was a college band, and that was a ska band. That was the first ska band I was in and stuff. And, you know, we I did it for four years at school, and when I graduated, the band was going to break up. And we had just released something that was on a, a big national compilation. And I thought that that was a bad time to break up. I was like, well, we got a little bit of a push here. Why, why stop? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So I asked everybody if it was cool if I brought the band back to Rochester by myself and just kind of, like, got new people. And, you know, you could argue, dude, you should have just started over. But in my head, I was like, yo, we got this momentum. Right. So I got new people and started it again in Rochester. With the the last repertoire that we had, I kind of retaught, and that was our jumping off point. So it just kind of kept the name and kept going, basically. That's how I got it here. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled. I would get, meet new people, get in another band that was somehow maybe in a parallel genre or in the same genre, the same scene. And I just kind of kept kind of networking and going and... Everything gets pared down. You know, you end up maybe joining too many bands, and you got to prove Rochester, it back. Rochester, no, bit. never. <laughs> Wait, we all play each other's bands in Rochester. What? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of how it went. Just got yeah, well, busier. Well, I know. Like, I always think. Yeah, I always think of Steve Pizzuto because yeah. all the and you were in the Beaumont. I played in his him, band for a while. Yeah. How many? Because I met Steve the same time. Because I think I met Steve. You played with Megan and all that. Stuff. I met Steve with you. 
Yeah. At Monty's Corner at a karaoke night, we were all very, very drunk. <laughs> Not the name of us drink or anything. And Steve came, <laughs> Those days were... Steve, <laughs> yes, Steve came in to a busy karaoke night with his, with a trombone, which at the time I thought he played trombone. Turns out Steve doesn't play trombone. He likes carrying it. Likes carrying it around when I've out at night. I've done that for years, too. Oh, yeah, you know, you got your pocket trombone. He walks in, he starts playing a trombone solo in the back of the room to the song that's on, and I couldn't get over it. I thought it was the funniest thing ever, and I asked him to be in a band with me playing trombone, and he tried. And it was hilarious because he doesn't play trombone, yeah. <laughs> I, and I didn't know that. I tried to teach him a couple of tunes. I was like, "Dude, what?" He goes, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't play this." I was yeah. like, oh Christ! But then I ended up being in his band. And then were you great... part of? <laughs> I, not okay. I was in Beaumont's with him, okay. but yeah, he has five head too. That's his scar yes, band. Yeah, five head. But uh, this is memory is foggy. Those were the days of the alcohol and Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Were you in one night band with him and Megan that night or not? I can't. They, we played at Milestones. He did like stir it up. You were in there, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very, very not in good shape that night. So I don't remember. <laughs> I think that was the. I think that was the thing that I tried to get him to play trombone for. You did stir it up. I remember that song. Everything else is sort of blank. Yeah, that was awesome. That was amazing. <laughs> so it was the best show ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a thing called One Night Band. It was Steve, Megan, you, you, I don't know who else was playing. It was at Milestones. Nice. And it was I think a One Night familiar. Band. Yeah. Yes. And it really was. We're going to have them on sometime on Zoom. You'll have to come on. <laughs> nice. Be fun. But, yeah, the Beaumonts is hard to describe. I called it like Eastern, like uh, Paris, hot Paris, 30s music, sort of. A lot of it reminded me of like Elvis Costello style with like horns, kind of a horn-driven I don't know how to describe. See, I can't, that's what I, 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 Steve. I told Steve that Steve was like, "Cool, I like that." <laughs> what is the origins of ska? Is it, is it England or is it ska? Is the precursor to reggae? It actually mm-hmm. came out of Jamaica before reggae came. Oh, okay. yeah. Reggae evolved from like early, early ska. Doesn't sound like what what people's minds go to no. nowadays. It that's, goes to a name for it. The Scatolites is the the first ska band, but before them. There were studio musicians in Studio One in outside of Kingston, Jamaica, oh, okay. and there was only, only singles being recorded, and they had a single group of musicians that were playing backing for all of these singer-songwriters that were coming through, and they ended up getting together and said, hey, why don't we just form an actual band, and they were the first ska band. Oh, wow. And I'm going to goof this up, but I mean, this is how I think sometimes people don't appreciate cool. it, because say, 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 name the best drummer ever, say Buddy Rich, Neil Peart, mm-hmm. but who would say Tony Nibs? I would. I want you two do know, don't you? A big I don't even know who he is. No. Get out, leave no. your drummer. But hey, no, he's the drummer for the Scottlelights. Yeah, see, now you know. But I think he's one of the best drummers there is. And nobody, but if you mention his name, you're going to get like a, you know, that niche person who's like, yeah. I will look him up. <laughs> it's interesting because then ska, a lot of times it went through what the people refer to as the different waves of ska. And so ska started in the, the mid-50s, really, is when it started to emerge. It came from Jamaica with a lot of different influences, Mento and Calypso music, with Mento, influencing yes, yeah. these these musicians who were, the, who were jazz musicians <laughs> with the influence of... The, the African diaspora and they got mento music going on and stuff and then they, what they were doing is they were hearing radio transmissions from the, the south coast of the US and they were covering R&B tunes with this unique mento influence African diaspora influence style and that was the that was the syncopation underlining covering R&B was what huh. created ska and it went on for a while and it was very optimistic because it was during the initial time of Jamaican independence and so people were very optimistic and they were hopeful. And then as the next 10 years happened and it became very obvious that the hopefulness was unfortunately misplaced and the a sort of more of a realistic 
view of things. The shanty town around Kingston had not been taken down. Right. Those people did not get the jobs they wanted. Um, it started to go more towards a rock steady and then more into reggae, which is defined by a different baseline. Mainly different content as well. More political, more realistic, more right. protest maybe based. The early sure. ska stuff is lighter. Mm-hmm. It's more hopeful. It's mm-hmm. more optimistic. And is that's, that why it's fairly joyous? Kind of, yeah. yeah I mean, and then it, it went to it went with the, with immigrants, the, the immigrant wave to England. It went with the Jamaican immigrants to England ah, and kind of okay. settled in the West End in London. And it went from there into the second wave. Which is what everyone knows. That's the, the that's the specials. Mm-hmm. That's mad. That was one of me for. for I was going to say I have a specials album. That's like second them. wave. Yeah, that's what okay. people call. Did you get it when it was yeah. on sale? No, my neighbor. Actually, my neighbor. This gave specials me, is on special. No, the, my, no. But my neighbor gave me a bunch of vinyl, and she goes, "Oh, you might like these Buzzcocks, the specials." Yeah. Don't be messing this around. Cool yeah. stuff. All this neat stuff. That was one of my big like jazz fest. I would have like Moselle, but I remember like one of our friends come up to me. The Scottalites are playing, uh, mm-hmm. and it wasn't obviously yeah. it wasn't all the originals, but still they they're played. still playing. There's only I think one guy who is the original. But they're still playing. They've kind of subbed everyone out through now, but they're keeping it alive. It's more. You could like hear a, from the regular, like with Marley. That's where you. I remember when we used to sit in a government yard in Trenchtown. Yeah, you would yeah. go get the history. You knew it was protest music. But that's one of the things, like saying Scanada when Scott. You have to sometimes pay attention to the lyrics. I don't think you can be sad listening to that stuff. And you would write some very dark songs, but you would be cheering <laughs> yeah. them like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm just asking this because I don't know. Is there? Well, that's why you ask all. <laughs> it's, it's like, is, is there a meaning to the actual word ska? Is that from some lo- other word? Di- different interpretations of where that came around from. A lot Good of people question. think it's it's descriptive of the sound the guitar makes when it's playing the chucks, when it's playing the offbeat. Some people call that chucking ska, or ska. skanking. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. the dance you do to ska is called skanking. So a lot of people say the ska is meant to be an alliterative, like the chick. Scott, Scott, oh, okay. Scott yeah, of the guitar. Cool. That makes sense. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true or not. It yeah. just it's, it sounds good. It's good enough for this. <laughs> it makes sense, I guess. But I've seen how you've grown over the years in terms of music too, and I think you've had like especially when Scanato became burning up, it got to a more little like punky edge to it. I would almost say. I don't yeah, know we, if that's went, like we went all we went all proggy. Describe it or proggy no, a little bit. Kinda. We ended up getting um, the 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 lineup that was for the last six years of the band was heavily influenced by. We had a couple two guys out of Eastman. We had Evan Dobbins and um, Mike Frederick out of Eastman who were heavily influenced with you know cutting edge jazz and things like that. And then our singer Joe was very into. Um, like 90s alternative and hard rock and stuff. So all that together meant we were making the last two or three records were basically ska records for the kid in the back who's wearing a Dream Theater shirt. Right. <laughs> and it, it turns out you can't make a touring audience based on that kid, but we had a great time making <laughs> those records. Did you ever did you ever have the idea with Mrs. Scanato doing something along the lines of like Iron Maiden with Eddie and having like the figure? <laughs> Not really. I was so just, every time I was always looking, I was always looking for that during your show. I can't me come out in a dress? No, we should have. <laughs> this is her. This is actually her, everyone. Yeah. But did anybody ever ask me that question, though? Was Mrs. Scanato? Oh, like yeah. Pink Floyd or like Monty Python? <laughs> it's, I always make a joke. It's the, it's the easiest interview Where's question. Anonymous? Yeah. Who's yeah. Anonymous? Yeah when, yeah, when we were still an active band, it was always the easiest interview question because everyone could... It was like the layup. Which one's pink? Where'd the name come <laughs> from? And then the answer it was like almost like a set piece and it was the best way to open an interview. Just yeah. describe, you know... The, okay. Unlike my dumb coffee joke. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Well, well, one of my things, too, is like my brother's band, New Math, they became Jet Black Berries. And I asked my brother one time, why did you do this? 
And he said, well, because our sound, they early on, I think they sounded like Eddie and the Hot Rods a lot, but their sound changed a lot. And they said, well, some of the music we're doing, the sound sounds different, so we thought we'd have a different name. And is that one of the reasons you changed up the name and everything, too? Uh, we changed up the name because we were at, the, like, right before we ended up stopping playing, we were having some, we were showcasing for some different labels. And the general feedback was that times it had changed enough is that none of the labels were interested in signing a band with a ska pun in the name. And, you know, it may have been, it was totally the wrong decision, but we did it out of pandering. We did it out of trying to ch- change the name for to get signed, which we saw at the time was how we were going to continue continue the band on at that point because we had all reached a point where we were thinking hey guys maybe it's time that we like a boat we were just dumping money into the water you know it's like we were just dumping too much resources into touring and things like that so we figured okay if we get signed and we actually get a budget from a label and things we'll keep going and this was what we thought we the feedback was we love your guys' sound all this other stuff but we're not going to sign a band with a scop on so it was very ill-advised. That's usually the kiss of death of many bands to try to change a name for a label. But we thought we'd be different, I guess, and it wasn't. I guess, but, one thing, I'm going to jump. getting that far, though. That's, that's yeah. great. That's, I'm, thank I'm, you. I I'm going to jump that. back for one second just in terms of Scott in general. One of my little fun favorites is, I think I might get the name wrong, Justin, the Easy Scott All-Stars. They do. <laughs> Easy Star All-Stars. Thank you. Yeah. I always... That's why we don't rehearse on this show, as you can tell. <laughs> it wouldn't be the same if you did. It wouldn't be the we, same. We know we're talking about, but they will do albums like what's like the whole was it Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts that's, Dub Band. That's all they, do, people. Yeah. they do money where it's a guy token the joint for the cash register. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think they do Radiohead. Well, what they did is they they're a bunch of musicians from different bands on the label called Easy Star, which is an American reggae label. And they're from different bands on that label, but they come together as Easy Star All-Stars, and they, they do projects where they, they have an album, the producer picks an album, and they record it straight down uh, as a dub cover of the record. And they got really famous for their dub side of the moon one, which can be mm. syn- synced up to the yeah. same time, so you can do it like you can do Dark Side of the Moon with like you know The Wizard of Oz. You can do that with Dub Side of the Moon, mm. and they recreate all the space between the songs oh, and all cool. the stuff. Mm. And that was their initial one. I think that's it's like 25 years old now. I but know, they got I've pretty been... famous for that. Yeah. So they followed that play on. Some of it. Yeah. You should actually think about that like with Susie and Don. Tell her the Wizard of Oz story. I think she would love to do a concept That's album cool. based well, on I'm the sure. album. Yeah, everybody, yeah. For everybody who doesn't know the story, you start the Dark Side of the Moon when the third growl of the lion for Wizard of Oz, right? And yep. it's supposed to follow the soundtrack mm-hmm. of the I Wizard tried it of Oz. once. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's, 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 it, your it's, mind kind of makes connections maybe that aren't yeah. there. I'm but, not sure whether they're, they're supposed yeah. to be there, but they have. I, it's on YouTube now. You can you don't even have to do that. You can just find it on YouTube, and someone yeah. already s- synced it up, and you can watch the of whole course, thing. Because it gets lonely you in your the ma- You find the mass grapplers match from Malta on that one thing, and you oh. sync up John Payton's record to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's funny because he's throwing the little people into the audience right on, on <laughs> right, right on the on the downbeat of the one drop. It's unbelievable. But that is so We've been talking about this kind of music, but you a little bit. I mean, you go all over in anonymous willpower, and uh, you some of that stuff's got like a beat like that. There's some reggae stuff. And you ever that, yell at Susie and they go, why do I have to do this? I can't do it. Get Justin. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I just look at everything as a challenge. If I have to learn a groove or style, I go listen to some music that has that and I analyze it and I 
I mean, that's part of the thing of being going to school. You just learn, hey, whatever. It's just components. It's just, you yep. know, you just plug them in. He's, and got it's this, just, you know. he's got this great, great song in Willpower, Cops, Girls, and oh, Guns. Oh, Cops, right? Girls, and Guns. It goes yeah. from Man. a two-step country to yeah, the deep trench reggae. Yeah. To the two-step country, to the deep, and they're both very convincing transitions, and it's, I love that freaking That was done, and I, I like that, because, you know, and we had to come up with a little segue part to go from the two feels. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting. And at first, I was like, wow, this is pretty weird, but then it's fun to play, and it's different, so. But, yeah, I will mention that. We said that a ghost. Susie. This is a haunted building. I think a ghost opened the door <laughs> over there for a second. But, now, one of the things, this is for everybody to address, but I've noticed, like, I think, what Thank is, you. like, in terms of, and I've been doing this with my own some musical ventures, is there, like, a limit with, like, in terms of community for music? I know there's a, I think there's a big divide between people who just go see the cover bands, all that, more power to them, and original music. And what have you seen, like, from the ska reggae community here, like, in terms of, like, crowd? How far can you go before you got to go branch out? Well, I'm I'm playing in two reggae bands now, personal which, blend. Yes, so, uh, so the two bands I play now, the active bands, I play in a, an original reggae band, which is more modern, sort of in the style of Sublime-ish, called Personal Blend. And I play in a band called The Medicinals, which is a little bit more rooted in some traditional <laughs> covers and a little bit more of a, of a rootsy reggae, sort of dub reggae feel. Um, in the general, I think like there's a kind of a, a weird line in Rochester. It's, it's not unique in Rochester by any means, but we'll talk about but it. But since we Rochester. live here, that's yeah. why. <laughs> there's, there's the definite <laughs> scenes where there's the cover band scene and the original band scene. They have their own clubs and they have their own scenes and everything. And it's kind of like, I, you know, I used to, as a younger musician in Rochester, I'm sure everyone's been through the scene where you look at the cover bands and you go, ugh, I can't believe you spend all your time playing someone else's music. Like, write your own tunes, blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> as you get maybe more mature I don't want to say as I get older but as you get older <laughs> you look at that and you go you know I appreciate your craftsmanship that you're like what you do to that person's songs I appreciate what you're doing with your act and you know what you're working three nights a week right. and because like I you know I, I used to poop on what you're doing but you're financing like that you're the three nights a week that you're working is your full time job you're making enough to do that who am I to crap on what you're doing right I don't necessarily have that same view like I did when I was in my when I first got back from college, where I like, like oh, you play in that cover band up at that right. bar by the lakeshore and blah blah blah. Okay, blah blah blah. blah. But you, you know, it might not be three hundred dollars. Oh, your band makes how many thousands for a <laughs> yeah. show up at there? Oh, oh, because you don't have the chops to write your own stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to, you're not playing in front of five people in a little cafe right somewhere. Now? Where's your you integrity? Suck. You yeah, have right. no integrity. Uh, in so, my world. Yeah. What is integrity at that <laughs> point? No, I don't man. know. As I, I gain a better understanding you know, of things. <laughs> talking about that, you know, I've, after, after, you know, when I was going for it in the Buddha hood with Tony and Tony passed, and, you know, I was at that point. Uh, in my mid 40s and I was going man we all were going so for it so hard and we felt like w with Tony's death it uh, and the, the, the way the band splintered it was it was uh you know it was over and I w as far as my career as a touring musician you know I was approaching middle age and how how much can I keep so I was like I want to make I want to I want to make the six hundred dollars on a weekend playing covers in these cover bands because you know well, let me I have all these skills let me put them to use and I started branching out and I found that I sucked at it I could not I couldn't play pour some sugar on me authentically by Def Leppard 
uh, even though simple as it is, I just, it was... You hadn't it, put your time into that. It, well, you yeah. needed the person to come and pour the sugar no, on you like, and you played. Like, I play covers in JPP. I I, we aren't identified as a cover band. You guys play covers in Adam's Willpower. You're not identified as a cover band. Right. Adriana uh, plays them in Adriana. Uh, we pick real deep cuts. We always interpret them ourselves. And it's always heavily mixed with uh, mixed with our originals. But, I, you know, I can be myself. I'm not trying to replicate this record. Right. And when I'm trying to replicate, because that's what you have to do. You can't. They want to hear them like they sound on the radio, exactly. Like a jukebox. Yes. Live jukebox. Those, yeah. those guys who make $600 and $1,800 playing three shows on a weekend, you know, I, I couldn't, I realized that I was driving to gigs, feel, I don't feel, why do I feel like this driving to gig? I, I feel like I'm going to work. It sucks. I, you know, it's like, I couldn't do it. It's everybody can't do it. I feel like I'm pretty accomplished on the drums, but man... That through some kind of challenge. No, and you did me. like I think. Did you do Games Without Frontiers? I think is a cover for Scanato. Yeah, did a I cover think I games. really yeah. like that. I mean, that that you could you could cool. pull out you could pull out songs you enjoy. You could pull out songs awesome. you enjoy and do them because oh. we do think we got influenced. Right. You know, you wanted to play stuff. So cool. what's the big yeah. deal about that? Yeah, well, like I've, like I've said this deal before. About that? It's like when you when you get into the covers world, all of a sudden you're listening to all these different trumpet guitar whatever instrument you have you know all of a sudden your style doesn't always go with what this person's playing that you're trying to copy yeah. and you go hmm and then you have to step back and go wait a minute now my approach is this his approach is this and you learn different ways to come at something and i don't know it to me it's a it's a learning experience and like this other band that i'm in now in the mix we're doing a lot of like rock stuff journey foreigner couple things you know pat pat whatever all that stuff but i still I know there's a fill coming, and I do a fill in the style of, but I don't play the exact fill. I just play, okay, this has got to be exciting here. This has got to be more restrained here. you know. So I just come up with my own things, but they're in the right place. So, I mean, sometimes you got to just make the compromise and say, I'm going to just get yeah. my style in here and let now, it Now, you have toured a little bit. Did you tour with Less Than Jake or somebody that you opened? Like, you were on national tours somewhere, weren't you? Skinata did four national yeah. tours before wow. we ended yeah, up Yeah, how was that? Now, what was it like going on the road? And how? One thing I've always liked seeing a band I know, I go to some other area, watching the reaction, and then I go, these are my boys, and these are my people. <laughs> I see this all the time. Right. Unless they throw tomatoes at you, then I'm like, I don't know who the heck you are. We didn't get that. Um, our first like major U.S. tour was like you said. It was we were opening a uh, four band. My package. mind, I remember. Yeah, it was good. No, we were opening a four band package of Less Than Jake's twentieth anniversary tour, and that was it. Was like my high school wet dream because two of those shows yeah. on the west or three of those shows on the west coast were co-headlined by Real Big Fish and Mad Caddies, and mm. it was amazing. It was like a sky kid's wet dream. But the only thing I gotta say is like. Unfortunately, one of our one of our kind of like reality checks was we had gotten into this thing where we were writing in our rehearsal room and stuff in our own bubble of a lot of kind of I alluded to that like ska music for the kid wearing like the Dream Theater t-shirt. We have a ska tune in 7/4 time. That's cool. We thought it was oh, oh cool cool. You play that for the 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 15 year old less than Jake crowd. We got a lot of we got a bunch of looks like we had two heads and stuff for a while. <laughs> right. But then that's not to say there's anything wrong with them or wrong with us no. or wrong with the scene. It was a little foreign and it was a little rough. No one had ever heard of us at that level before and stuff. But we went back around and we did a we did a whole direct support tour for the Mad Caddies, which are 
an eclectic ska band which make use of Dixieland jazz and bluegrass music as interludes in their ska and reggae and it's their audience though. yeah they're really cool yeah. very very cool you guys are going to steal that idea I know you're and when you rehearse the next go Susie God. <laughs> the wheels are turning actually right now we got yeah, a little yeah. more yeah we got a little more like uh, head nods from that crowd they were a little bit of an older crowd and they kind of they were okay to take left turns with us very abruptly um yeah, then we did a full U.S. tour by ourselves, and we had a very mixed review. Mixed reviews. Some people were into it, and other people were kind of like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> that happened. You know, it's but okay. I think you have to. Ex- <laughs> it's just going to sound like the way I'm going to word it. You have to expose yourself. Oh baby, music wise, music wise, <laughs> because some people, my view, I always try to push local music, and I tell people, people ask me, "What do you like?" What do you, you know, I ask them what they like. I say, "Well, some bands I can't describe, they're just, they're just good." But okay, you know what you like? Go see something else you don't know because you may like it, and it's not going to hurt. But Rob, that's scary. And mm. when I want to leave my house, I want to know what I'm. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's true. Though, a lot of people, I you don't know how many friends of mine. Like I had a friend. A couple weeks ago, I said to come to a show, and he's like, well, you know, there's an Eagles tribute band playing. I'm going to go see. Why don't you come to that show? Because I know all the songs by the Eagles already. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, but I want to hear them and sing along to them. But, like, I remember, like, seeing your okay. show. One of the first things I saw was, look at these awkward dudes dancing funny. I fit in perfect, man. There's a couple of fat guys here like me dancing around, you know. In a, I, these are my people. Nice. Like, you know when you play locally, too, these are your people. But when you go to, like, foreign areas, you don't know. It's the unknown. How are you going to be accepted? But how is it, too, then, when you might have some people come up to you and go, dude, do you have any CDs or anything? That was awesome. That's when you make that connection. you got to carry CDs with you. Yeah. <laughs> you got to carry... Back in the day, I mean, this was still like... CDs were still, like, more popular, even though they were on their way out still. So, yeah, we just had... We had tons of merch in the van and just always tried to have a nice merch table and try to leave an imprint somewhere. Try to leave... Ten people with your CDs, so the next time you come around, maybe they'll bring two friends each kind of yeah, deal. Yeah, because I right? think I've been I've been really deep into this topic about building an audience, and I think we all hit like our max here, where we see you know I love all the people coming to the shows, but mm-hmm. it's the same people. And the question of how to expand is just you got to somehow find out how to move beyond the boundaries of Rochester. And we have a big market compared to a lot of places. Yeah. The diversity like, of music here, too, is incredible. I like to look at our areas more than just Rochester when you're talking about original bands because you end up getting into the, the, the pond is too small for the original music scene in just right. Rochester. We're a, we're this cool metropolitan city, top 30 by population, cool. But when it comes to the live music scene, it is five or six clubs and a pretty pretty small circle that are people that are willing right. to do what you just said chance it on a an original local band when there's the Eagles cover Well, I've got band. that now, too. I go out and the first thing, it's like, hi, I'm Rob. Want to be on the show? <laughs> <laughs> That's the new one. I had the one, our friend Frank, who will be here sometime soon. He had some prompts. I remember when I met him, it was at Caverly's. I'm here with my friend John Adams. He goes, hi, Rob. Like, That's a cool bar. I'm like, who the heck are you? Yeah, we have a vacuumer out there. Yeah. It's a ska band, right? Yeah. But it's, a, it's a ska vacuum. It vacuums on the offbeats. Yes. Yeah. But so he comes up to me like, how do you... Oh, I never met you before. He goes, oh, yeah, all of everybody knows who you are in the music. <laughs> like, jeez, where's my royalties? <laughs> but, you know, you get a rep being on the scene. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of strange like that. But I think we do that. We try to expand. But I just think, exactly, you have to do... Some people it, don't... I, I like to draw a circle, a four-hour circle around Rochester... And that becomes more of the metropolitan scene, the greater Rochester scene. Because if you were in New York, that's about the number of people you would have more of an audience. You'd have the greater New York area. So you look at Rochester, but then you got 
Buffalo, Syracuse, Ithaca, Canandaigua. If you're willing to go across, you've got Toronto, you've got other not stuff in now. Ontario. Not, not for, for now. now, but more in general. And you can even push six hours, five hours to Albany, and you've got Erie, Pennsylvania, and you've got the stuff on the northern and southern tier, the mm-hmm. northern part of Pennsylvania. That's the market you got to look at as the original band, and that sucks. You've got to drive four hours for some of it, oh. but our pond is just mm-hmm. too But fine. you know what? I find that very mystifying to me that people don't want to do that a lot of times. Oh, I don't want to go that far. It's like, okay, you really think you're going to get what you're going to get or mm-hmm. what you're trying to get just by playing for your friends and, and no. everything that's like no, 15 no, minutes I, from your house? I, I it call ain't it road trips. Like, <laughs> I'll go within four hours. But like I had my thing where I, Michaela played on at uh, Hollow in Albany. Pearl Street, I'm like, ah, we're right then, let's go. I get to Albany, my car breaks down on Pearl Street, and I had a triple A. And you're three and a half, four hours from Three and a half hours, like, I'm like, this is really fun. But I used to love to go on those little road trips, like, to Weedsport. And like I said, you're the alien seeing bands you know and watching, digging, like, the people who haven't seen them before. Mm -hmm. But you got a new crowd. And that's, you know, all those people that you can, and if you're playing a few minutes away from them, let's say you're a half an hour from Weedsport. And so all the people you met at Weedsport could, They'll drive a half hour, you know, so your audience, you know, you can kind of yeah. grow it that way. Let me give you an example. I was just camping last week in the Adirondacks, somewhere where there's no signal for my cell phone. <laughs> one, I know, it's one, perfect. <laughs> one, one, one radio station that came in on the radio called North Country Radio it was an NPR station. And they had, I, I would be able to catch news in the morning, the weather, uh, and then they had interesting stories. And we we have this, you know, very popular uh, act in Rochester, Michaela Davis. And uh, next thing I know, I'm listening to this, and I go, uh, uh, next, a very interesting interview by artist Michaela Davis. And I start hearing her. And this is, I'm in the middle of the woods and... I was at a show on Weeds. I was at the winery in Hammondsport. She played. Well, she's got a show somewhere in uh, some one of the little hamlets, and there was like a twenty-minute interview with her and playing her stuff, and all these people, you know, uh, listening to this. You know, she's a she's a national recording. And all those people who kn- I knew them back <laughs> then, now they won't look at me. They're like, get this guy, yeah. this guy, security, get this guy out yeah, of here. He's a weirdo. Get this guy out But I'm like yeah. a musician on the same scene as her. I'm going, wow, check this out. This is great. You know, right. she's, I'm five hours from home, and uh, everybody who's listening to this might as well assume that she's a national, huge recording artist. Touring. I mean, she is. She's playing huge shows, and she... She's young. She's got a whole life ahead of her. You know, she's going to do some that, great like things. I saw that year 2012. As it was year I met like all the guys in Maybird, her, all of them, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing them leave us in the dust. Which is like, well, what is the name of the band? Shooting Star? Uh, Southern Star. Southern Stars. Star, yeah, yeah. When you see the Southern Cross for the yes, first time. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we'll go back to the other little order. Now, how did you, we talked a little about your current bands. When this all happened, how, the question we always ask every guest now comes on the first time. Then COVID hits, and how did you deal <laughs> with this bullshit? Then COVID hits. I was talking to John about this before we came in. It's like both of us play, and this is almost the definition of ska and reggae scenes, right? We don't play in a power trio, or like you can be in a in your rehearsal room, everyone in the corners and stuff. Like I play in a seven-piece band with two horns and a keyboard and everything, with three vocalists. We're on top of each other. That room is full mm-hmm. of aerosols and stuff. So yeah, basically, right. we didn't rehearse for over a year. None of my bands did. Did you ever have to... One of my friends put a 
Facebook meme up that's really funny about. Did you ever have one of those stages where you were doomed with all your members because it was like for three people? Oh, so many times. Oh, we've done some of the most creative things you can imagine yeah. with like, where do we put the horns? Put the horns up in the balcony. The, the keyboard player's going to stand on the ground in front of the stage. And uh, I don't know. Like, we've done crazy ass things to get seven but how guys did the, on we, we got, you mentioned that how did it come now you're from Skanao burning up how did it finally come you doing these bands and what have you yeah. been doing and explain everything and we're rolling so I joined Personal Blend because on the waning years of Skanado Personal Blend was on its way up in Rochester it was kind of this up and comer young it was percolating percolating <laughs> it was bubbling and churning another but, coffee um, reference hey coffee <laughs> so they asked uh, they asked the trombone player Evan and myself from Skanado to sit in a couple times and we were always crossing paths not getting able to. We used to have personal blood open for us a lot. And finally we did. And then immediately afterwards, Mrs. Scanada broke up. So I ended up just kind of continuing to guest with them for maybe three more shows and adding a tune or two each time until it was finally... They didn't have a horn section. And they had a, a friend who his name is Luke Perry, who plays trombone. He's like my co-brass player now. We play in everything together. He uh, He's also in the medicinals with me. But he wasn't officially in personal blend either, and it just became the right time because I was out of work suddenly and things, and they wanted to add a horn section. So instead of just having us guest, they asked us if we would join as a section, and then we slowly spent the next like six months adding horns into the existing repertoire. So that, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been in bands where you add something like that, but some songs needed to have space created for a horn line. Other songs you had right. to decide that that would hurt the integrity of the song, so you had to have horns at, horns as keyboard or horns in, in, this, in this background section and not mess up what's going on. So we had to like really examine each tune, so that was a whole process. But then I, you know, Personal Blend became like my main focus, full-time band. And then my buddy Will, Will McKenna, who runs uh, the Medicinals, reached out uh, when he was putting that band together. And he said, I'm putting together a reggae band from people that play in reggae bands all around Rochester and ska and stuff like that. And it's everybody's second band is its, is its vibe. It's not meant to detract from anything. When everyone's got the time, we're going to do hopefully bigger shows, festival shows five a year sort of thing not once a weekend right. so there's time for that that's a good plan that would be for great, like you two putting together like you I would just call them your like Ringo Starr all-star bands where you guys get together to play like some you know various things yeah, together right. let's just yeah. do it dude let's just play this let's just do something like this or a tribute or something we got yeah. together originally for he's now passed but his name was Dave Burness and Dave Burness was a local guitar player and a very very influential guy in the reggae scene spent a lot of time in Jamaica and really lived reggae lived that lifestyle purely and truly and he was sort of the focal point around medicinals the the band ended up getting together originally to play music for and with dave uh, he ended up passing away of cancer but in his waning years he wanted to play music and he wanted to be a part of a live thing so it started off as more of a jam session for to play with him that became a, an act kind of thing and after he passed away we do it you know we do it in remembrance of dave in a positive way not in like oh let's all be sad now but in like let's celebrate that's celebrate good. why people that's make good. music in a bigger sense that's awesome yeah, yeah the joy cool. of it. It. i mean that's one of the things i bring on here is too is i think it brings people together yep you know can i sure. ask john a quick question I mean, sure yeah i wanted to know being a drummer and all well you would have to know about that well, <laughs> yeah, we, well no because <laughs> i can't imagine starting a band okay yeah. so yeah. i mean i did it once and it was Tough. I had another guy that I collaborated with, but that was the one I out in California, eighties and all that. But so, how did you actually go about? What was your concept, and what what brought you to starting JP? Well, um, like I said, I left Buddhahood uh, and and tried the cover band thing, and and 
when I it didn't take long to figure out that's not what the hell I want to do with my skills. I, I, I you know, with Buddhahood I had the world world beat music, Afro Cuban, ska, reggae, funk, rock. I had all these things that mm-hmm. I like satiated me, and I, right. how am I gonna? So Drew, who left with me, uh, Buddhahood. And Bobby, who was a guitarist who replaced uh, Tony, left as well. We uh, started just piecing this stuff together. I got my my percussionist friend Jim from Riff Monsters. Okay. And it's been a long ass process. I mean, it's ten years now. Wow. Um, and oh, as far is is two thousand ten, then two thousand fourteen, my brother passed. And that's when I quit music. So it's 2014 to 2017 was a dead period. Started back in 2017, but it, it's it's been with the help of my my friend. I haven't done it alone. It's not, you know, but my main dude Drew, we were partners. Uh, JPP is not my vision. I always look to surround myself with the guys that inspire me. Who who we inspire each other, like I said, to make something. I, I, when we're collaborating, I don't come down with, okay, this is the idea. Okay, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. It's not, the, the, the name defies the band, really. Uh-huh. The name is because we couldn't come up with a name. And I had grabbed all these people from my past life. Narcotic and, lollipop, yes. I'll give it to you. And we were, I love that I'll name. I'll give it to you. I know, you it's have it. I've well, been dying. Yeah. For, I told Josh Nesky, Maybird's perfect. Do an instrumental called that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we were calling it the John Payton Project at practice. And, for lack of a better name. Yeah. Right? and it, it, uh, works. it works good. I like the JPP uh, I like moniker. It. Or it works well. Uh, now <laughs> we've worked on it for, you know, we've got a bit of a following. But, you know, I it was just... Dude, the years of meeting the people and and it was a process, man. It 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 was a couple. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like this show in a way too, because what I think the thing that brings it together is chemistry and everything. That I think you know we get people who just like coming on and talking, and we get the good vibes. And I think you have to find chemistry. Right. And I think that's the thing that works with all the band stuff. And the other thing I'll go about, I know the one thing, Greg, come on. You well, want to start a Billie Eilish cover band. I do. Oh, I, I do. Know and I want to meet her and all kinds of kid. <laughs> You know. You, you want John and the Green Heroine. I'm going to sit in a dark room and paint my eyes You want to look morbid. And... <laughs> you want to look depressed and pouty. <laughs> but the one thing these days, too, I think, number one, the recording process, the obviously. But, num- band. but number two, but number two, you can, you can get everything, There's, but it's like a double-edged sword. You can get your music up, but there's, there's so much out there, but you can get it out. Yeah. Like, we get people, like, listen to the show from Toronto and stuff, so I don't know how they find it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's weird. Like people, Cause you're, you're so popular. It's because you're so <laughs> It's great. these two guys. <laughs> well, eventually, if you do something long enough, I mean, it's it's going to get around. Yeah, it people, man, man I'm bored. I'll go, oh, okay, I'll listen to this crap. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we, we were grinding, dude. The JPP was grinding. Those first four years, we were playing and playing and playing, and then uh, I didn't realize the following we had built. Because we weren't drawing great, we were drawing average, and then I, my brother passed, and I did, had nothing left for music, and I was officially retired. When we, I'm going out in those three years, and people are asking me, 
where is JPP, where are you guys? And I walked into Three Heads Brewing uh, when they first opened in 2016. And the owner, who Jeff Dale, one of the Three Heads, who I didn't have a personal relationship yet at the time, I was coming in subbing percussion for Buddhahood at a show. That's what's going on. And he saw me coming in, and I said, I'm with the Buddhahood. And he says, I know who you are. What's up with the JPP? When are you guys coming back? And I go, I, I didn't know. Get you out know, the calendar. Was, you know, and at that point, I started dabbling with getting it back together. Most of the guys were, I, Bobby Olson wasn't into it yet, so I had to get another guitarist, but... We came back, and then 2000, we just grew and grew. We I lost all our momentum last year, but... Uh, Everybody did. Just, everyone did. I don't think you're it's alone. Just a, it's just a grind. Now I, 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 we, we have a draw. Uh, I hope it... I'm going to find out if it's, we still do. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just how you build an audience, like you're saying, man. Just... It's a grind. Sticking uh, with it is half the grind. Yeah. Speaking of which, can I do a can I do a show plug, Rob? Yes. We're actually we're gonna actually we're getting down and now we like you this has been cool. Everything we wanna do, that's what we're all about. Our thing is plug, plug, plug. So I think JPP's actually got a show coming up uh, and then first then, show, first plug. First. Well no, you're special, so you're last. <laughs> no, he's just uh yeah. he's just a worthless right. co host, so we'll get him out of the way. Yeah, we uh returning to one of our favorite haunts July Friday, July thirtieth. I don't know if you'll if this will be aired by then. But, yeah, well, we're going to get it on. Okay. Uh, 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 at B-Side in Fairport. We were doing really good there. And then we have a lot of shows coming up. You got the one I'm going to see. My buddies are playing opening for you, Kim and uh, yep. Roy Style Jukebox. The, the, very, right. next, the yeah. very next week. Yeah, uh, you're playing uh, at Photo City. August it? 5th at Photo City with uh, Jukebox Riot. Uh, we got another show coming up at Three Heads uh, on October 2nd. Uh, we have... I'm going to forget somebody. <laughs> with well, Johnny's pub in Johnny's pub in late August. Um, nice. Ben's ba- Ben's barn bash. Is that oh, for real? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. He's a mass grappler. Could it be sounds like someplace the mass grappler would have the ring doing the yeah. putting guys through glass tables or something. Yeah, with, I was with bummed. Light mate. tubes and barbed wire vinegar. on fire and stuff. <laughs> hey, you got to Greg. You got to be all around. I he, know. He reached no, but Ben reached out to me and I tried to get a couple bands interested. And they're like, Nah, I'm not going there for no money. No, those are stupid times to play. It is and a like, great thing. It is. It's a blast. There was. I'll give you one quick story. There was some now. Maybe one of you went. There was a place in Pennsylvania, guy at a festival. My friend went down there, and he said the he was a little worried because the one thing he walked by two guys, and he said the one guy said to his friend, "I think the acid's wearing off. You can give me my axe back." <laughs> so I would be worried about that. All. I, would, I would be worried about going to one. I stayed over that thing one time when oh, I played you there, the- and I was a, he has a big breakfast spread the next yeah. morning. No, it's yes. a freaking it's great. You it just you eat and you go home. Nice. Awesome. Goes, You're playing all over too, Greg. Yeah, I got a, I got the the 23rd of uh, July. I'm at the Spirit Room with this Latrice Fulton, who's a soul singer. And that's like a thing. And then I got uh, the 24th at the uh, House of Guitars with the Anonymous Willpower at 1 o'clock. We hope because oh, it's cool. been pouring at yeah, those places. Uh, and then I'm supposed to play the second part of that day with Brian Lindsay at Marge's. So if it rains, 
There goes the budget. The Blame it on Meg Williams. <laughs> My friend Meg was in. She was supposed to play. She said she brought the rain. They had a postponed. But now, what's who we're all about the pros for our main yeah. guests? What's coming up? What's coming up? And then Aww. what are you going to play afterwards? Oh, talk about the album. So I don't have a proliferation of shows coming up. We kind of kept it kind of light. Keeping it light but special. Light but special. Yeah. So uh, Personal Blend, we, we made this decision where everyone is kind of... Uh, adding to the cacophony by all cap posting, you know, new, new shows, new shows, we're back, we're back. We decided to kind of wait for the first initial speed bump of show announcements to come by, and we're holding off until October 22nd, where we're doing the Personal Blend Holiday Spooktacular at the newly nice. uh, <laughs> managed and newly released club at Water Street, because Water Street Musical is starting. It is yeah. back. They have new management. They have new new sound systems in both sides. Things are redesigned. It looks beautiful in there. So Personal Blend is going to have our first show back. Uh, Friday, October 22nd is our Personal Blend Spooktacular with uh, uh, two local bands, two amazing local bands, The Sideways and Turkey Blaster Omega. That's going to be really cool. Is Roman still there doing sound? I don't think Roman is there anymore, no. I haven't seen Roman around. Are you going to have any costume specials (laughs) or any of that kind of stuff? There's going to be lots of cool special stuff, costume specials, (laughs) (laughs) trick-or-treating, alien attacks and stuff. It's going to be pretty cool. But uh, also my other band, The Medicinals, is playing. I don't know if this will be out by then, but July 22nd at Party in the Park. So oh, we'll sweet. be doing we're direct support yeah, actually, for Southside Adriana Johnny. Adriana Noon to do her own plug. I guess we're going to open for uh, Almost Queen. Oh, nice. On oh, August cool. 5th at yeah. Party in the Park. Oh, cool. I'll yeah. be at Tommy Burnett's birthday bash August 1st if anybody wants to go to that at March. Well, because you're there, March? yes. I'm going to be his drummer of... guy, so whoever wants to come up and I, play. I'm afraid to play. go. To, I love Marge's. I love Fran. I love Marge. but I love Fran Beth. But the thing is, every time I say I'm going to go, it starts pouring. So, no, I'm not going to that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, or the, the I Square shows, because every time I'm going to them, it starts running. So, I will not be going to them. Just get, get an alternate psychology. personality. Get a mask with a cape or something. Alternate personality. My Billy Eilish personality. I'll damn my it's left to my hair green. I like it. But now, what are we going to play from your current? Talk about the let's, CD. Let's play a tune from Personal Blend's Heavy Currents. We put this out right before the pandemic, a year like the, the winter before. So it didn't get much. You know, it's been out for a while, but didn't get a whole lot of legs. Where can we get a hold of you for this stuff? If we want to get one. You have a page, obviously. These yeah, Personal days. Blend on Facebook and everything is the best place to find that. And I'm on. You know, you can always find me on Facebook and everything. So yeah, why don't we play? Uh, why don't we play the first track eventually called Taxi? Taxi's a good one. Mm. Yeah. Is it is it ever been like <laughs> no vertical slip? And we have one guy putting his freaking weird mascot over here. Well, we so we're gonna hear. Thanks, Justin, for coming on. Thanks, you two clowns, Thanks, you guys. around. Hey, and we're gonna right, hear man. personal blend taxi. Check these shows out. Thanks, bye. I gotta go find me a vertical slip, man. <laughs> Won't you come and take me?